Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 109 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Multiple splits from one hive can help with quick increases in colony numbers, and I have just the method to help. Also, viruses, it seems, are not just the domain of us humans. Chronic bee paralysis virus has struck again, and this time I'm taking decisive action. Listen in to hear my thoughts and course of action. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypore Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypore Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are Polly Langstroth Hives, and we're setting up an apiary full of their hives this season, courtesy of Honeypore. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore Hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a typical beekeeping week for me again. The weather has stepped in to play its part and I've had to take action on a couple of colonies that were threatening to swarm and a couple that had already tried. It's been a fairly standard weather week, some nice warm sunshine combined with a day of rain and some quite chilly nights. The effect of this on the bees can be quite dramatic and is a catalyst for swarming. Colonies building up strongly find themselves suddenly trapped indoors, getting in each other's way, and this just leads to the need to break out and get some fresh air. Sounds somewhat familiar, to be honest. I hope you're all well and surviving the lockdown measures still. I find the biggest challenge for me is shopping. I popped to the supermarket to get some fresh fruit and veg a few days ago and came away with wine, beer, popcorn, chocolate and dry roasted peanuts. Not a carrot or banana anywhere to be seen. Still, it's made for some entertaining movie nights. I'm currently working my way through all of the James Bond films. I'm not sure you'd get away with the Morris Binder introductory titles anymore, but it was one of the main attractions as a teenage boy. I've just watched Dr Pussy, so I'm getting through them quite nicely. Anyway, back to the beekeeping. I hope that Last week's explanation of the artificial swarm without finding the queen was easy enough to understand. Remember, if you can't find the queen, you put a sealed queen cell in a new hive with all the flying bees and destroy all the queen cells in the old hive where the queen still hides. It's really that simple. This week I wanted to talk about a couple of topics. Firstly, creating multiple nukes from one parent colony. And secondly, the bad news that I have chronic bee paralysis virus in a colony again, and it's pretty terminal. I discovered this during my regular inspections this last week, and it got me thinking about why we inspect our bees. I suspect for the vast majority of beekeepers out there running a couple of hives or maybe even up to as many as a dozen colonies, Inspecting your bees is the highlight of the beekeeping week, so you want to take your time and enjoy the experience. The problem can then become one of looking at your bees in such a way as to not always see what's right in front of you. What I mean by that is sometimes we can get so worked up about looking for eggs, queens and queen cells that other important issues such as disease can get missed and lead to more challenges further down the road. 
when you inspect your bees, no matter what time frame or how many colonies, always make a point of looking for healthy brood and healthy adult bees. It doesn't take more than a few seconds, and it's something you can tick off the list of things that need your attention. I'll come back to the CBPV later in the podcast, but first something altogether more enjoyable. Creating a multiple increase from one colony to end up with an apiary full of hives by the end of the season. I've talked about this process before and it's sometimes known as the two nukes from one parent colony method of increase. But it doesn't have to be just two nukes, you could increase by three or four even if you have the resources and I'll come on to those in a moment. Firstly, let's say you've got a couple of colonies but you'd like more. You have an apiary at the bottom of the garden and you'd like to have six or eight colonies to overwinter so you can sell some honey at the local shop for everyone to enjoy. Well, the creating nukes from one parent colony can work perfectly for you as long as you remember the big rule. You need plenty of resources to get the bees to do anything. So that means lots of bees and lots of food. With that in mind, let's go through the process and look at a couple of options in case you find something not quite the same as my first scenario. Let's set out a virtual apiary. The virtual apiary we have has two colonies in it, both healthy and both developing nicely into late spring. Brewed on around 8 to 10 frames, lots of bees foraging, a nice temperament. In fact, you couldn't wish for more. It's inspection day, one of the colonies has decided it's time to swarm and has thrown up six queen cells on four separate frames. The queen is still present and laying eggs, but the queen cells have just been capped, as can be seen by the lightness and delicate nature of the tip cappings. So with this situation, I've decided I'm going to keep one colony to produce honey for the entire season, and the one with the queen cells I'm going to break down and make nukes to grow through the summer and over winter ready for next spring. Remember, this is the perfect scenario, the one that you read about in the books, the way that it works each and every time. Not. When we've dealt with this scenario, I'll talk about when things go a little bit pear-shaped. I want to maintain the parent colony as best I can, so I don't want to deplete it of too many bees. I have equipment ready and to hand, so let's get started creating two nukes from the one parent colony. Firstly, we set up a stand something over three metres away from the original hive position. We move the parent hive onto this new stand location, take a couple of lengths of 3 by 2 timber, about 600mm long, and set these on the original hive stand. If we were using a two-hive stand with extra width, then we wouldn't need this, but with only one single hive stand, we need a little bit more width to sit two nuke boxes on. Next, we take two nuke boxes. Any type of size will do as long as they match your original hive. Let's say it's a national and we have a couple of BS Honey 2-in-1 6-frame nukes. I sit the nukes on the newly created wider stand with the entrances open and both facing the same direction as the original hive. Remove the roof and the feeder from each nuke and remove four frames of foundation from the middle of each box. We'll assume we aren't in the luxurious position of having drawn brood frames. Next, I inspect the original hive and try to find the queen. If we find her, I pop her into a queen cage. Now that sounds really simple, doesn't it? It always amazes me how many experienced beekeepers say that one sentence 
and totally forget the trauma of trying to find and capture their precious first queen. If the prospect of caging your queen alarms you, pop the queen on the frame you found her on into one of the BS Honey nuke boxes and close the entrance. Replace the lid and keep her safe and quiet in there for a few minutes. Next, we're looking for a queen cell on each of two frames that we can place into each of the nuke boxes. Firstly, let's assume we've caged the queen and she's tucked in a breast pocket for safekeeping. We take out a frame with a suitably plump queen cell and place this frame into BS Honey Nuke number one. I check the frame carefully for additional queen cells and eggs. I'd really like no eggs on this frame, but that's not always possible. Next, I do the same for nuke number two. So now we have a single frame with one queen cell in each nuke box. I find a couple of frames of food for each nuke box and put these into the boxes next to the frame with the queen cell on it. Then we add one additional frame of foundation to fill the box back up to six frames. Complete each nuke box by adding the feeder and some Appy Mix syrup. Of course, any light sugar syrup will do, but I do very much like the Zucan syrups right now. So here's what we've got. Two nuke boxes side by side with a sealed queen cell in each. Entrances facing the same direction as the original hive so that all the flying bees will come back to these two nuke boxes and populate them with bees. Finally, I go back to the original hive and shake all the bees off the remaining frames and remove any queen cells that are found. I take a frame of open brood and eggs and release the queen that I have in my pocket onto that frame and put the frame back into the hive. Close up all the frames and add frames of foundation at either side of those frames to fill the brood box. It's worth checking the level of food the parent colony has and if the hive has supers on with food that's fine but if not I'd add a feeder and give them light sugar syrup as I have for the nukes. And that's all there is to it. What we now have is a parent colony depleted of flying bees and a couple of frames of brood, but with a strong laying queen and plenty of new bees coming through to build the colony back up again with frames of foundation that they can now draw out and have the queen lay in them and store additional food. We've created two nukes, each with a queen cell in, and lots of confused flying bees wondering where their queen has gone. Something we might want to do is to swap round the two nukes so that they get an equal amount of flying bees, otherwise one could get them all, but that will become apparent within 15 or 20 minutes or so. What I would do is go back in around five days' time to see if the virgin queen has emerged from the queen cell and remove any additional queen cells that they may have produced. Also, inspect the parent colony to make sure that they're not still producing queen cells, removing them as necessary. Now all you have to do is to wait for two or three weeks for the virgin queens to mate and start laying. Easy to say, but sometimes a little tricky in practice, but this is our perfect scenario, remember. We've gone from two original colonies to four in one month, and we can repeat the entire process with the parent colony again once they have enough bees again to sustain the technique. Using this technique, we can go from just one hive to quite a number through one season, but I have to stress again, it will only work if there are enough bees and enough food for them. If you try to split them too many times too quickly, all that will happen is the newly created colonies will stall, and you'll end up uniting them again in the autumn. 
far better to create just four or six colonies that can overwinter than eight or even ten that just can't survive through those long winter months. If you have a queen cell on maybe four or five frames, you can push the splitting further, but then you have to be very mindful of the proportion of flying bees going into each nuke box. It gets a little uneven, and they'll build up at a different pace to each other, depending on the volume of flying bees in each nuke. It also affects the ability of the original hive to build up again, because you're removing more than just a couple of frames of brood. But a trick here is to take a frame or two of brood from the second hive, so you can boost the first hive back up to a stronger position. Better to keep it straightforward and stick to just an increase of two at a time. Results will also vary. If you have different hive types too, the smaller national or smith hives will build frames faster simply because they are smaller areas per frame, whereas 14x12s or langstroths will take somewhat more time to be drawn. Another advantage of having pre-drawn frames of comb to replace those that you use in this process. I have an apiary site with just three hives in it currently. It's the 14 by 12 site. Perhaps I can give this technique a go to show how it actually works in practice. And of course, I'll record some videos to show the whole technique in action. That of course is the perfect scenario. Sometimes what you'll find is that the queen either fails to mate, fails to emerge from a queen cell, disappears after mating, doesn't mate properly, the process then can stall a little bit, and what you have to do is to unite the two nukes, and that's fairly straightforward too, and we'll cover that off at another time. Moving on to the other topic today, I mentioned that one of our colonies has been struck down with chronic bee paralysis virus again. This virus has actually been in the news recently, as Giles Budge and his team published more research work. It's a topic I've covered at length in both podcasts and video, the virus devastates colonies, causing them to collapse from being large, strong colonies producing supers of honey to shivering, sad-looking clusters of bees with piles of dead bees outside the front entrance covering the floor. It almost looks like a poisoning event. Last year we were hit badly by the virus, losing well over a dozen colonies, and this year I'm taking no chances. The plan of action I'm going to take is the destruction of the colony. I've tried other options and followed various shakeout methods and replacing hive parts, but all it seems to do is to delay the inevitable collapse and death of the colony. Perhaps more seriously, it allows time, potentially, for other colonies to take the opportunity of robbing out the weakened, diseased hive, or for drones from the diseased colony to fly into other hives and infect those, so, how do you humanely destroy a colony? Well, it's not pleasant and something I don't take any pleasure in doing or detailing for you here. As a seasonal bee inspector, I had to oversee quite a number of destructions, and the best way to safely and effectively destroy a colony is by using petrol, which quickly suffocates and kills all of the bees in a colony. Like I said, it's not pleasant. The most effective way i found is to be very well prepared, now, if you're using solid floors on your hive, it's fairly straightforward, but many people use open mesh floors these days. So if you pour a pint of petrol into a colony on an open mesh floor, it's just coming straight out of the bottom. With open mesh floors, I fold newspaper and either fit it inside the floor by lifting the brood box during final inspection, or sliding it in between the varroa screen and the mesh, 
and having the newspaper on top of the Varroa screen and then taping it in place. The other option, if I'm moving the bees after destruction, is to lift everything off the hive stand, put a heavy-duty rubbish bag on the stand, a layer of newspaper on the bag, and then the hive goes back on top of the stand on top of the newspaper, which is inside the bag. The bag can then be pulled up and tied off at the top after the deed is done. Waiting until evening allows all of the flying bees to come back to the hive. Then you can block up the entrance with foam or grass or whatever you've got to hand. Remove the roof and pour about one pint of petrol into the top of the hive through either the porter bee escape holes or other feed holes cut into the crime board. If you don't have any holes in the crime board, replace it with one that does. It makes the job much easier. Quickly put the roof back on and pull up the bag around the hive. The fumes kill the bees very quickly, but don't be tempted to open up the hive and check anything. Leave it for an hour minimum. Because we're dealing with a virus here and it's not a notifiable disease in the UK, we can dispose of the bees in any way we see fit. I still dig a small hole and empty the bees into it and set fire to it. But remember, you've used petrol in the hive, so make sure the fumes from the petrol have dissipated before going anywhere near the hive with a naked flame. The wax can be rendered down and the frames boiled. I put the hive through the standard cleaning treatment after taking out bees, regardless of disease or not, so it will be scraped out and scorched at a later date to be reused. I can't stress how much this is a last resort for me. I hate killing colonies of bees, but I need to protect the rest of my livestock. It hurts to see them killed, but as a responsible beekeeper, it's something I feel I have to do. The good news is that the vast majority of my colonies are healthy and doing fine. This step, hopefully, will keep them that way for the rest of the season. Well, that's it for this week. Have a great beekeeping week. Stay safe and please do remember to check out my Patreon page if you haven't already, where you can access lots more content. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>